Welcome to the Mark Stary Music Podcast. This podcast is an audio journal of my guests and I's adventures throughout the live and local music biz. Fun conversations, cool tunes, and good times will be had. My name is Mark Stary, and I'm a 15-plus year veteran of the Twin Cities, Minnesota metro music scene. Check me out at Mark Stary, that's S-T-A-R-Y, music.net. Also on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. My new album, White Knuckle Life, as well as my other original records, are available for download on iTunes, CD Baby, etc. This podcast drops every Tuesday, if not before, on iTunes, SoundCloud, and most other places podcasts are available. If you enjoy it, please subscribe on iTunes. It's totally free and guarantees you'll never miss an episode. Also, consider helping get the word out in the street via social media, five-star rating and review on iTunes, word of mouth, etc. Happy Thought of the Day is by Bob Hope. If you haven't got any charity in your heart, you have the worst kind of heart trouble. Thanks for tuning in, and welcome to the Mark Staring Music Podcast. Enjoy! Welcome back to the Mark Stereo Music Podcast, episode 48. Last week's gigs wrap-up. Wednesday, I played a solo show at Pub 42 in New Hope, Minnesota. Due to school starting up, it was super slow. But for some reason, I did well in the tip jar. And next week is the big announcement for who wins the Vegas trip. Friday, I played a solo show at Nova in Hudson, Wisconsin. A big thanks to the Kempers and Van Velkenbergs for playing Guess That 80s Song and singing along with me for the night. Saturday, Mr. Brian Keith Johnson, Brian Ricochet Leger, and myself played a private party in Balsam Lake, Wisconsin. A highlight was learning the song Wipeout on the fly and playing it three times that night. We'll see you guys next year. Upcoming shows. Wednesday, September 14th, 2016, I'll be playing a solo show at Pub 42 in New Hope, Minnesota from 8 to 10 p.m. Friday, September 16th, Mr. Brian K. Johnson and myself will be rocking out at Lucky's 13 in Plymouth, Minnesota from 8 to 11 p.m. And it is our friend Ella's birthday. Saturday, September 17th, Mr. Brian K. Johnson and myself will be rocking out at Vanelli's by the Lake in Forest Lake, Minnesota from 5.30 to 8.30 p.m. Guest this week is part two of four with popular singer-songwriter and The Voice TV show standout Kat Perkins. We discuss making history at U.S. Bank Stadium, performing overseas for the Armed Forces, a Cat Perkins Christmas, Volume 2, etc. Enjoy the conversation! Cat Perkins, welcome back to the Mark Sterry Music Podcast, Part 2 with Cat. We're still here at Lucky's 13 in Bloomington, Minnesota. Cat's hang. Um, My favorite suburb. Favorite suburb. Well, it's got them all of America, so it's everyone's favorite suburb, right? Yeah. So Kat <laughs> asked me the dreaded question. Oh, no. If I was, because uh, we were going to, I was going to ask her about her big uh, national anthem singing, the, the debut yes. at the U.S. Bank Stadium. And she goes, are you a Vikings fan? And I'm like, I'm from Wisconsin. And I immediately left the building. <laughs> I was like, no, don't tell me you're a Packer fan. 
know. I had to be. Well, I get it. And I also understand that, you know, your quarterback is super hot, Mr. Rogers. I want to be Mrs. Rogers kind of secretly. So I get it. And he's great. And you guys win a lot. But I bleed purple. That's all right. <laughs> that's cool. But like you talk about your hometown a lot. So I, I, yes, that's my exactly. connection with Wisconsin, too, is those old sports. So what scenes was your and actual stuff. hometown? Where'd you grow up? Turtle Lake, Wisconsin. Turtle Lake. Yep, Turtle Lake, Wisconsin. Nice. Have you ever played the casino out there or anything yeah. like that? What's what's that one called? It's called... Uh, Do you remember? St. Croix Casino, oh, I think. Oh, St. Croix. No, I don't think I have. No. You're I've bu- had offers up to go up there, but okay. I have never actually been a- available to do it. Yeah. So how big was Scranton? Scranton was 200 and is 281 people. Wow. Total. <laughs> yeah, Turtle Lake's like a 1,000. Okay. Well, you get it. I mean... That's small. It's small. I did meet somebody the other day from a town in Minnesota. I can't remember the town, but it was 150 people. Wow. Which is super rare for me to meet anyone with less people in their town than me. But, yeah, small town living. I mean, you get it. When I say that, you understand that. Absolutely. It's, it's a whole other way of life. And Do you I, go home very often? I don't take it back for the world. You know, I try to get back at least once a year. But my parents, my lovely mother and father, who taught me everything I know about music... Finally moved to Minneapolis. Nice. <laughs> yeah. My dad retired after teaching music for 40 years, almost 40 years. Um, and he, my sister uh, has children, so mm-hmm. they have grandkids. And they wanted to be near them and, of course, us. But I think we're sort of a second thought now after they had, my sister had kids. <laughs> but, yeah. So they're here. So it's harder to go back, but my grandfather is still living, and so he's still in Scranton. I still have aunt and uncles there, cousins. So we try to go back. Very cool. Yeah. Um, okay, so you had a really big, uh, you were the debut Huge. singer at U.S. Bank Stadium for the, the big soccer game a yeah. few weeks ago. What was it, soccer? No, the, the Champions Cup. And there were 66,000 yes. people yes, there. Yes, there was. It was completely sold out. Wow. How did they approach you with that, with that gig? Well, honestly, it was like only a week before. They were kind of scrambling. I mean, you know, it's a new stadium. It's a new thing. Um, and for all these different events that come in besides the Vikings, there's a different person in charge. There's an event staff and a different promoter, if you will. If people know the business... You know, there was a whole other promotion team that came in with that soccer game. And for some reason, they needed the singer. And so they came to me, and, and I, I was like, I will drop everything to, to be the first one to sing in this stadium. Wow. And so I did. And I, I, I was like, I was sweating bullets about four days before. I was like, oh, my gosh, what if I, I have never honestly screwed it up, knock on wood, I have never screwed up the national anthem, and I've sung it, you know, thousands of times, literally thousands. Yeah. But I thought, what if this is the time? <laughs> what if this is the moment that I screwed up? So I was rehearsing, and like, and I never prepare like I did for this, but for 66,000 people, and for the day, you know, I was the first one in history. I made history by singing in our new stadium in Minneapolis. <laughs> And you nailed it too. Oh, thank you. And people you. can watch it on YouTube. It was insane. 
That was, yeah, that was incredible. So what is going through your mind as you're walking out there to do this? Well, <clears throat> do you have the lyrics stashed somewhere or no? No, I don't. I don't. And normally at these events, they'll have it. Some, sometimes they'll have the lyrics up on the screen kind of bouncing. However, if you look at them, it's, it's a, there's a delay if you're looking at the screen. So it, it's sort of a mind blow. Like you can't look at them, but... I just sort of open my mouth and let it happen. And that and it's scary as it is. I've just done it so many times. It's better if you just trust your gut and open your mouth and let it happen. What I was thinking on this particular one is don't close my eyes. Don't close your eyes. Don't close your eyes because I wanted to keep my eyes open for the giant screen. And I love to sing the song with my eyes closed, but you just you close your soul that way. And I knew I was going to be projected onto the biggest screen, I think, in America. I mean, it's a huge, huge screen. Wow. Um, so I was just like, keep calm, keep calm, and keep my eyes open. And the guy that, um, that is in charge of, like, your microphone and your, your in-ear monitors, that you, you have to use in-ear monitors when you're doing it because there is over a one-second delay. So when I say, really, you know, of the free, it's like, free if you listen to yourself you would never be able to do it so you have to be completely closed off does that make sense it i know you it's hard was to that that to guy that was standing right in front of you yeah and like the orange polo so shirt or something yes. like that he's in charge of the the microphone and your ears and he's you know making sure that you stay on track now normally if it's if it's being televised he's the one that's timing you and like telling you to speed up or slow down for TV time. Really? But they this, yeah, this one, they didn't, they didn't televise the national anthem, so they didn't care if I made it in time. They were just, he was just like, do whatever. But he has an extra mic just in case something happens. So he's holding another mic in case he just needs to quick sw swap a mic. And he's kind of your, your go-to guy. Uh, he got a lot of flack on my Facebook, by the way. It's, it's kind of funny. Like, I saw a lot of people saying, what's with your crew members? They're not, they're not standing at attention and putting their hand over their heart. And I want to defend him so bad, but it's, it's hard to engage your haters on, on social media. But yeah. there's a guy that actually has to monitor that it's all happening. So oh, that's he why working. he couldn't do that. He was working. He was on the clock, man. Yeah. So, yeah, he had the best excuse in the house for, for that. But, yeah. But yeah. you've done this before for the Vikes, haven't you? I have. I have. It's just, it's like a dream come true. And especially for the Vikes, because it's, they're my team. That's, I'm the, you will not find a bigger Vikings fan. My whole car right now is decked out in Vikings Everything because I'm ready for the season. <laughs> you guys are going to have a good season too. And we are, and I hope that I get to sing the national anthem for one of these games. I too. hope we'll so too. Are you going to go to the first game against the Packers? I am. I am. Are you? I will not. Should I don't we, think. Should we dress up in our purple and and you in your green and we'll like duke it out? That'd be awesome. Or should we put money on it? <laughs> we could put money on it. Sure. Yeah, we could put right. money on it. Um, yeah, the we'll Vikes are looking good this year, though. I know. This might be, I think they're building their team up right this year. They are, and I think the hype around the new stadium, and once the guys get to play in there, I mean, just walking in there, if you get to go this year, it, it's it's very prophetic. I don't even know how to – it's it's very – it's so big, and it's so, and it's so purple, and it smells like Menards, which I love. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just, it's just so beautiful inside. And the way that they've set it up, it's just gorgeous. So I think that our players will get super hyped up by that, too. <laughs> so singing the Star Spangled Banner like that, what yes. is your favorite rendition of it? Do you think, still think it's the Whitney Houston one in the Super well, we, Bowl? It's funny enough because we were talking about that, because we were talking about history and 
you know, we're we're updating my Wikipedia with all this information that I did it, and and somebody asked me that if if I had the Whitney, if I had heard the Whitney version, because if you're a musician, the Whitney the Whitney version is the only version that's really recorded in four four time, and sung by Grammy Award winner Whitney Houston. So the national anthem isn't in 4-4 four, four time. I'm hoping that you have some musicians listening so that they know what I'm talking about. But she, when she did hers and they recorded it, it's in 4-4 four, four time. Okay. So it's a different feel. It's different. Um, yes. Yeah, so in that case, it's iconic. It's one of my favorite versions. Um, I've heard some really stellar versions, however, especially over the past couple of years, like by Little Big Town. Oh my yes. gosh! I just got chills saying their name and the thinking harmony about on it. That. The harmonies. I'm a huge, huge fan of, of harmonies and love the tight harmonies. But I do have to say that I don't know the guy's name. I'm sure we could look it up. Um, one of the last home games from the Vikings last year, TCF. There was they did a military themed um, whole thing, and so this guy came out and played the national anthem on trumpet, and it was. Minus eight degrees in real time, and the wind chill was almost 20 below zero. And if you're a brass player, you know that it's almost impossible to play a trumpet in that kind of weather. So he had the trumpet underneath his arm, in his armpit, <laughs> until it was time to go. And he had his other hand over his mouth, trying to keep his lips warm. And he went for it. And I'm telling you, I, I, ball, I bawled my eyes out. Because he not only nailed it, but he hit the real high note in the middle really? on his trumpet. And nailed it, finishes the whole thing, and then, then goes and high fives every single person that was around him. Like, he didn't plan it. Like, he was just high fiving everyone because he actually nailed it in the freezing cold. So, that's my, like, my most epic, like, witnessing any sort of awesome national <laughs> Since you are kind of talking about the patriotic thing, the yes. Star Spangled Banner, that mm -hmm. kind of stuff, I know you do a lot of stuff in the Middle East and go, you've gone over there and sang for the soldiers and stuff. How did, how many times have you done that? I just completed my fifth tour. Over okay. There. And how long do you go over there for? Well, this time was the longest stint we did. So we went over for the 4th of July this year, okay. which was something that I really wanted to do and it was by choice. Um, the year before that, we had done Christmas with the soldiers. So the 4th of July was something I really wanted to do, and we got the opportunity. And this time we spent two and a half weeks with them. Um, Whoa. Two weeks 
completely performing. The rest of that half is sort of traveling and getting other places. Um, and we did, we completed over 15 shows because we did multiple shows a day. Um, and it was, it was my first time to Iraq. It was my fifth time to the Middle East, but it was also my first time going into um, the more active zones, um, the more, play, you know, like Baghdad and in Iraq where we're actually pretty active in our, our missions over there. Um, and it was, it was life-changing. Every time I come home, I, I say that, but this time it was a whole other level of life-changing. It was very macro instead of micro. Um, everything seemed so on a, on a much larger scale um, than I could ever explain. And watching kind of all this cr crappy stuff go down in the United States at the same time, like, uh, you know, trouble with the police and, and trouble in, in Dallas and all these weird murders and, like, weird stuff was happening in the United States at the time. So it just felt different, and it made me feel like I could never possibly do anything bigger than what I was doing at that moment. Wow. Yeah, and just bringing a piece of home to these soldiers is is just a whole nother level of performing. Do you feel comfortable there, safe and Yeah. I oddly did Does your and family do. worry about you when you My go over there? My family didn't sleep a wink. Um and I, you know, I hesitated to even tell my parents that I was actually going into Iraq this time, but I told them. And, and we actually got to blog about it this time, which is, is kind of rare. They don't let you take pictures and, and kind of explain where you are a lot. But in this instance, they let us do it and they wanted us to do it. So, so that you can sort of broadcast that there's, there is really good things happening and, and they're, you know, fighting the good fight and, and they're helping and they're, you know, doing the right thing over there. Um... So, yeah, they, my family were very scared, but I felt oddly at peace with the whole thing, and I felt very safe. I mean, we were within the grips of the military at all yeah. points. And, and, you know, when you're a civilian like that, in their, in their possession or, you know, I don't know how to, how to say that, in their custody, <laughs> they make sure that you're safe, and they make sure that you're comfortable. And they ask you constantly if you feel safe and comfortable and, you know, stuff happened. There's, it was very active at the time we were there. There was a big bombing in Baghdad right at the time we were there with the mall that was happening. Um, and, and I still felt safe. I mean, I, I was flying over in a Chinook helicopter, like, looking down upon Baghdad and seeing action happen. And, and I still felt safe. So, I don't know. And, and maybe there was a peaceful part of me that was like, listen, if this is the way that it's going to go down, if this is what would happen to me, then then okay, like this is, this is, that's fine. I'm doing what I love and I'm doing what I should and I'm serving my country as well by doing what I do best. I know, it's weird. What? It's a weird. The stuff you've seen and done <laughs> coming from Scranton. I know. North Dakota, it's just, yeah, that's just amazing how that different world that is, you, you know, experiencing that. And there's even some kids that, kids, you know, my age kids that went into the military from my home county and surrounding areas and and I thought the same thing I'm like wow I mean these kids doing what they do and coming from Scranton North Dakota it's pretty amazing what is the average day like when you're there for two and a half weeks yeah. like how, are you playing like an hour here and then yeah. hour there are you, are you playing while they're dining are you playing all of it or shows for what, what's an average day like in Iraq, gigging. <laughs> I know. First of all, it's really hot. 
So when we were there for the 4th of July, the base temperature was 118, 117, 120 one day, which means the heat index is 140, 160. I mean, it's insane. You can't even wrap your brain around it. But the average day is like wake up, go to breakfast with the soldiers, and then we, we intermingle with them at all times. So we go into their dining facility. It's called a DFAC. And we sit with them. We talk with them. We you know, tell them they were performing that evening. One time I stood up in the middle of the cafeteria and I just sang for them in the middle of the cafeteria and was like, you know, promoting the show that night and just wanted to give them a little surprise pop-up thing and they loved it. Um, and then we'll do it like at night, we'll do the big show. Between 5 o'clock and like 8 o'clock, we'll do an hour of music on a big stage with lights and and. Uh, sound. This time I just took a guitar player because we were going through Iraq and we were going into these remote places. So it was a very acoustic show, but it was on a big stage. Um, okay, so breakfast, uh, lunch, we usually do a tour. So we, at every single base we're on, we usually go and see somebody's job. Like there was a bunch of um, National Guard from Wilmer and Duluth actually this time. And so they run this giant, uh, basically sandbox, and they they bulldoze and they they carve out, you know, the earth for these bases for whatever they need to, whether it's construction or bombing sites or testing sites or all those things. So they take care of the landscaping aspect of it. So we went and spent an hour or two with these guys, and I got to like run a bulldozer and scrape up desert sand. Uh, <laughs> There's military guard dogs that they train on one of the bases, so we went and saw how they do that and met the dogs and watched them do their thing. I mean, so that's part of the day. And then after the performance, we either get on a helicopter and get out of there and go to a safer place to sleep or to the next base where we're going to perform. It just sort of depends on the, the day and then re rinse and repeat. Wow. And then we just pack it full, like all day, every day. Okay. Sometimes we did two, three shows. Um, sometimes we would just impromptu go into the DFAC and do it an hour while they were dining. Um, and then it was so hot. Sometimes it was too hot to be outside, you know? Is there other musicians there as well? Like, is it, is it kind of a rotating thing of musicians from base to base, or how does that all work? Not really. I mean, this time we went with Armed Forces Entertainment. Um, and usually we go with Travota Entertainment out of Wisconsin, actually, out of Barron, Wisconsin. So both of them act very according, like the same way. They they hire a lot of musicians um, to do it. But like following us, the next act that was coming through for one week was a, a comedian. Really? Um, yeah, they have lots of comedians. They have lots of celebrities. Even, you know, Kim Kardashian has done it with the Armed Forces Entertainment where she just goes over and shakes hands and takes pictures and visits them for the day. Um, so yeah, it's all sorts of entertainment, but a lot of musicians, I, we weren't, we didn't have anybody that was there with us this time, but my last tour, we were piggybacking with a group called, um, ra uh, something in blue, Bo boys in blue. No, no. Oh, I can't remember what it was, but it was a military band. So, and they had trumpets and saxophones and like they had the whole shebang, but they were also in the military, you know, they'd went through okay. basic training and they were part of a military band so lots of that happening too and do you get to know some of the armed forces fellas like absolutely. you get to hang out with them and get to know them and stuff and absolutely um every at every tour that i've done i've at least you know kept in touch with one person if not a handful um one time i actually went over there and it was a, a guy from my hometown 
And I had no idea that he was there. I told this story in my Christmas show. It was insane. So his mom caught wind that we were going over there. And she said, well, my son is over in the Middle East. He's deployed. If you find him, will you give him a kiss on the cheek for me? And I was like, of course I would. But I don't know how the heck I'm going to find this kid. Like, okay. there's a lot of troops over there. And I'm, go I'm going to the Southwest Asia, you know. But lo and behold, I found the kid. I found him. Wow. Yeah, it was, in, it was like fate. It was like the universe intervening. And I got to give him the kiss on the cheek. And so, yeah, there's epic stories about making new friends and keeping in touch. And then when we come back to the States a lot, we'll have people come to our show and be like, I saw you in Kuwait. Or I saw you in Iraq. Or I saw you in... Yeah, it's insane. Wow. When that happens. It's very cool. That's, thank you for sharing that. That's real. That's, such, that's so it's cool. It's very near and dear to my heart as well. Speaking of that, I had that written down. I wanted to ask you about your, your Christmas shows and Christmas recordings, <laughs> stuff like that. You do have a big Christmas show coming up in Chanhassen, right? Yeah, we do. Um, and you recorded some Christmas stuff, right? Yes. You have we, a Christmas album, right? We have volume one of A Cat Perkins Christmas. That's what it is. Yes. What? Okay. I like that. I like that Christmas stuff and those cool songs. How did you get involved with that? All right, so I kind of grew up with um, Lori Line. She's a very famous, you know, mu Minnesotan musician that that always had a Christmas show. I grew up going to at least one Christmas concert every year. And last year, I had so many fans after The Voice say, you need to record a Christmas record. And I thought, yeah, yes, I do. And why don't we do a show that surrounds that? And so we, we built this show. And I'm very passionate about it right now, especially because we're actually writing the second version of this that's going to happen this year. What songs are you going to do? Well, usually we have at least two original songs in this, but this year we actually have five original songs in the show. Okay. Um, so a couple written by me and then a couple written by some other songwriters, especially in Minnesota, Jennifer Grimm being one of them. On the sixth day, a Christmas my true love gave to me Six geese a-laying So she wrote Minneapolis St. Paul, which is a, a tune that I've been singing. I sang it in last year's Christmas show. Um, Eric Warner wrote one last year. And Aaron Gabriel, my good friend, he's a very theater, theatrical guy. One of the most talented musicians and songwriters that I know in this world. He's, he wrote one last year, and he's writing a, a, another one this year, which will be the, the actual single that comes out. Uh, and then we do all my favorites, like Santa Baby and Chestnuts Roasting on an Open Fire. And we did, last year we did uh, Silent Night, which was insane. It was really, really cool and epic. And the probably the, the biggest show stopper of the entire show, which we'll do again this year, it's Oh Holy Night. Everybody loves it. Everybody's waiting for it. Yeah. And I love it. So... Version two, so the A Cat Perkins Christmas 
point 2.0 mm-hmm. is being written as we speak. This morning, that's all I was doing. I was really? doing all Christmas show this morning. Yes, and the the record is is in process. We, I think I'm going to do my first ever crowdfunding campaign. Okay, maybe like a Kickstarter. Um, to see if we can get enough funds to do this because I want to record the second version of the, of the Christmas record. The first one's great, but I want to have another one this year and we'll see Are you going to have to buy the rights to some of these ones you're covering too? Some some of them you actually do. Again, 50 if you years have, old, if, if they're newer, like Santa Baby, you probably got to pay for that yeah, one. Yeah, absolutely. Santa Baby you actually have to pay for. Um, oh, Holy Night I did not have to pay for. No. Um, but all of the ones that are exa- not public domain, which... Again, that's 50 years old. I think it's 50. Actually, I'm not sure. Actually, I feel like it's 50 years after the composer passes away. Are you serious? I, I think it is. I mean, oh, it's God. it's a big, yeah. So it's expensive. I mean, you have to buy the rights, and, and so many people cover them, you know. So it's, yeah, it's a lot to figure out. Okay. But it's so exciting. It is exciting. Let's do that. So, Kat Perkins, thank you for being on Mark Stereo Music thank Podcast. You. Part two, you mind doing one more? We'll talk, Let's do just it. talk voice. Uh, so, for story behind the song segment, Let's just pick one of your Christmas ones to promote. That'd be kind of cool, something yeah. different. What's your favorite Christmas song off your late Cat Perkins Christmas 1.0 that people can download 1.0. and I can put at the end of this? Um, it's it's going to have to be Oh Holy Night. Let's do Oh Holy Night so you can sort of get familiar with the version that I do because it's so much fun and it's it's epic. It's The word is epic. Awesome. Cat, <laughs> thanks for being on the show. Thank and you. please tune in next week for part three. tuning in to this week's edition of the Mark Stary Music Podcast. Hope you've enjoyed the program. We'll see you back here for a new podcast about life and times in the live and local music scene each and every Tuesday, if not before, on iTunes, SoundCloud, and most other places podcasts are available. If you or your business are interested in sponsoring this podcast, please contact me via email at markstarymusic at gmail.com. Also, if you get a chance... Please go check out some live music somewhere. It can be a great and worthwhile experience. Life is short. Go have some fun. Till next time.
Oh, hear the air. 